Hello and welcome to another conversation brought to you by the Climate Psychology Alliance, a group of psychoanalysts and therapists who've come together specifically to lend their professional skills to those feeling sometimes overwhelmed by the mental challenges the environmental crisis is stirring up. It does seem every day now there's another story to absorb, another catastrophe, another report about species loss, more evidence about the lack of action. Um, So it is, it's hard and it's frightening to take in. I'm Verity Sharp and I have to say what's helped me hugely over the last few months um, has been listening to all the wisdom being shared on this podcast by psychotherapists and activists and young people and artists, all of them offering not answers but just different ways of absorbing and living alongside this fast changing reality. But the fact is, the climate crisis is new for everyone, even psychotherapists, who until now have been required over many years when they're training to process and make sense of their own story before they can then go and offer advice to others as professionals. But of course, with this, there's no time. It feels like we're on quicksand and therapists themselves are having to rapidly adopt new ways of working. So that is the focus of this absorbing conversation between a psychotherapist and activist, Caroline Hickman, and Tree Staunton, who's director of the Bath Centre for Counselling and Psychotherapy. Tree goes first. So we met each other through CPA. Yes, yeah. And actually this time last year... I invited you to our conference in Bath, BCPC, on being a therapist in a time of climate catastrophe. And what happened there was really interesting because normally our com- our, our conferences are very well attended mm. and in fact we had probably less than half the people we would normally have. Mm. And I'm I'm sort of wanting us to talk a little bit about why is it that therapists find it so hard to engage with this? Mm, absolutely. And maybe why they don't recognise its relevance in relation to psychotherapy practice. Yes. Because it may be that people have a concern personally, but they don't necessarily see how it dovetails with professional work. Yeah. yeah. How did you feel, Tree? I was wondering what it was like for you to have so few people want to sign up to that conference because mm. I knew it was really close to your heart. It was mm. really important mm. to you. I think uh, it would be very different now. Mm. I agree. Um, yeah. I think that uh, it was probably ahead of the time a bit. Mm. Uh, people were still... Uh, it was not coming into the therapy room quite mm. as much as it is now. Mm. I think now people are really getting a lot coming into the consulting room. Do you, do you think there's something there to do with the public awareness that's generated over the last year as well, mm. with Extinction Rebellion and the school strikers mm. and uh, Greta Thunberg, yep. visibility, yep. and also maybe the David Attenborough documentary? Yep. Not to mention the daily bombardment from The Guardian of all kinds of catastrophes happening all over the world, I but know. also some very interesting and informed dialogues are going on aren't they reporting they are but it can feel like a lot of information yeah yeah so you know for myself and i've been engaging with this stuff quite a lot over the past few years but even i'm starting to feel a bit overwhelmed Mm. by the amount 
that I'm trying to absorb and make sense of mm. Mm. Um, Me too. And, and assimilate and but also stay in contact with how I feel yeah. about it yeah so that it's not just data yeah and it's not just information yeah. Yeah. But it's also like, oh, okay, more to uh, absorb and yeah. more to feel about. Exactly. And I think sometimes it's very hard in the bombardment that you get, the inbox getting full up. It's like it's very, very hard to make the space to actually process the information properly. Yeah. And to, you know, come to terms with what you feel and, and relate to it in yourself. So isn't this interesting? So I'm sitting here thinking, here's you and me talking about how complex it is to process these mm, feelings. Mm. And we're therapists um, with, you know, a considerable amount of experience between us. You more than me, but I'm, you know, been, been around for 30 years. So, so how on earth are the public processing this? Mm. How on earth are people coping with this mm. you know mm. if they haven't got that experience of processing complex things and repeated amounts of new information appearing yes. again and again yes. I'm not saying I'm brilliant at it right mm. I'm not pretending mm. I'm alright with this but I sort of when I find stuff like this I sort of think okay I've got a bit of an idea of how to do this mm. at least mm. what mm. do you think mm. Well, I think we're into the terrain of denial, aren't we, that um, mm. that people's defences just have to come up and they can't even really take it in. Right. Um, you know, that's why you get the people saying, why Why are these people blocking the roads? We're just, we're trying to get to work. Mm. I mean, you know, I understand their point, but why are they making it so inconvenient for us? And, you know, they can't get that this is a this is a demonstration that's showing... This is going to be very inconvenient. I know. I mean, sometimes it makes my head spin when I think hear people complaining because they were delayed getting to work by people who were trying to save the planet. Mm. I just think, how can you sort <laughs> of compare position yeah. of those things? Really, and yeah. yet, and yet, oh. it kind of also makes sense, doesn't it, that people are they can't get off their 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 train. You know, they they mm. just got to keep going and. You know how it is sometimes in the beginning of therapy when somebody will say, oh, I don't even want to start feeling that because the floodgates mm. will open and I will never stop crying. It's it's that kind of fear of even starting to look at something. Yeah, no, I do understand that. I do. The other thing I sometimes think is that people kind of focus on the small thing that they can worry about because, you know, they can worry about being 10 minutes late for work. Mm. Because that's familiar. It's concrete. It's concrete. It's familiar. It doesn't overwhelm. Mm. And they can articulate it. Yeah. So, you know, all of that emotional energy gets channeled into that. Mm. But sometimes I'm hearing people get really quite upset about very small things at the moment. And I'm sitting listening and thinking, I suspect this might be about something bigger. Mm. And I suspect this might be about, you know, the environment in which we're having these conversations, Mm. which is in the context of climate change yeah. and biodiversity loss and you know when there are narratives of we've got 10 years left to save the planet flying around yeah that's got to seep into people's yeah. consciousness even if they're aware of it or not yeah yeah what do you think oh i think it has to i think it's affecting everybody uh. whether they're conscious of it or not uh. 
Um, uh, you know, so when you get the Channel 4 News, the guy saying, oh, it's just going to mean hotter summers for us. What's the fuss about? <laughs> um, you, you kind of want to laugh, but you also want to cry. And you want yep. to say, can, can, can you really open your heart a little to what's already happening in the world to so many people? Mm. The floods, the fires, the hurricanes. Mm. You know, people mm. are being dispossessed daily, aren't they? They are. And it's, yeah, I understand about the laughing and crying, and I laughed, but that was, uh, but at the same time, I felt I immediately want to come in with some of the examples of what children have been saying to me and what, you know, clients have been saying to me to sort of say, yes, but here's the despair. Here's the evidence. Here's of the it. despair, the grief, the mm. rage, the horror. Um, Tell me a bit about what's being said. Well, as you know, I, I take care of the uh, outreach for the Climate Psychology Alliance. So what that means is I'm picking up a lot of uh, first contacts from people approaching us looking for support. So we've been running this pilot counselling psychotherapy support scheme since December last year. Um, and I respond to everybody. It doesn't mean I necessarily see everybody, but what I have been doing is seeing quite a lot of those people to find out how it works, what's the difference between sort of, you know, ordinary, in inverted commas, therapy and therapeutic support and therapeutic support around eco-anxiety, just to find out, to help CPA to develop the service. What we've now done as of last weekend is... Uh, recruit 50 therapists across four countries and we're offering people three free psychotherapy sessions I have to yeah. be careful how I say mm -hmm. that um, in response to how they feel about this and then mm. therapists and support workers can they can offer more if they want to mm. or mm. reduce cost mm. support Mm. Um, we're not calling these people uh, offering the support therapists so you hear me kind of swap and change mm. between mm. therapists, counsellors, support people mm. uh, because they don't have to be qualified psychotherapists mm. so we are calling it therapeutic yeah. support and we've what? also helped with the XR, haven't we, the oh, therapeutic support? Absolutely, for, for no, Extinction you're right. Rebellion. Yeah, so we work working closely with Extinction Rebellion and also the Deep Adaptation Forum, mm. who both were offering some form of therapeutic support. Mm. Extinction Rebellion uh, have asked us to take over all of the therapeutic support for them. Mm. Um, they are continuing with the regeneration and the well-being work but they wanted to kind of give the therapeutic support over to us. So we've taken on all of the therapists that were working with them, um, which is, you know, fantastic. So they've all joined CPA, and we're offering the people working with us uh, support and supervision, mm -hmm. and we're also offering them through-the-door training and workshops mm. to sort of really start to develop their skills mm. and develop their thinking around mm. this, which I know we're going to come on to yeah, so and, let's, and let's, talk about Let's talk a bit about more that, because we... Mm. we um, we, we want to really approach, you know, from the practice end, what do therapists need mm. that's different to have these kinds of conversations with their clients? Well, it's, it's really interesting because this is the question I've been asking myself since December as I see client after client after client and ask myself, what's different mm. about this? Mm. Because the anxiety and the distress 
are the same. Mm. They look the same. They feel the same. They smell the same. But the source of them is different. Mm. And also what I've noticed is inevitably people's personal anxiety and distress and complexity interweaves, of course, with anxiety and complex feelings Mm. around the climate emergency. You can't separate these things Mm. out. Mm. Of course not. It would be silly to try. But what I've noticed is the way they inform each other. So people may come in, first of all, and talk about their anxiety about the climate emergency, but that shifts to their feelings about their children or their feelings about their partner. So, for example, people are talking about their distress if their partner doesn't agree with their viewpoint. So some young women who are deciding they don't want to have children, for example, feeling quite angry and frustrated and despairing and distressed if their partner isn't in agreement or if their parents aren't Mm. understanding. Mm. Mm. Um, It causes rifts, doesn't it? Well, it causes rifts. And I've I've heard of a number of uh, marriages that are completely on the rocks Mm. because of it. Mm. Um, with one partner wanting to go and live in the middle of Wales and open an insect farm and teach their children Mm self-defence, and the other one saying, don't worry, dear, the government will sort it out. Mm. Um, So you can see that culturally, Mm. you know, and emotionally, they're completely separate here. Indeed. So what do you, you, coming back to the question of what therapists need that is different in these kinds of conversations i mean we know don't we that as therapists we need to have uh come to terms with certain things in ourselves Mm -hmm. um to be fluid enough to be able to dialogue with our clients and really listen to our clients and participate with them in their feelings in an empathic way and not perhaps defend ourselves or interrupt or or have our own agendas mm-hmm. because that's what um, muddies the environment in the therapeutic relationship. So, so one of the yeah. things, obviously, um, I'm thinking of as a, as a trainer is mm. I need to be offering therapists workshops where they can look at mm. this, these issues for themselves yeah. and become yeah. acquainted with them, enter the process that needs to happen and, you know, face it. Mm. Mm. And they need to be climate... We need more climate-aware therapists by the day. Yes, absolutely. You're, you're, you're right. And I like the way you describe that, being a climate-aware therapist. So you're not suggesting that people have to be experts. But what you are pointing to is the need for counsellors and therapists to have at least process some of their own feelings mm. around this. Indeed. Yeah? Mm. I'm wondering how you have done that yourself and I'm wondering what that's been like in the way that you've integrated that at BCPC because mm. I know you've been doing that for a little while mm. and I know you've got thoughts about how to develop that. It's interesting isn't it because I was telling you just before that I'd had a conversation yeah. with a group of students just before I came here and I noticed a kind of relief in me that we were talking about it. All oh, right. You know, that they and that they were all aware of it and they mm. wanted to talk about it and they all had their own kind of issues with it. Sure. Um, whether they were talking about their teenage children or whether they were talking ab- about um, having a child or not mm. or, you know, friends who, who did or didn't think the way they did. It just felt to me like this is where we need to be. Right. And I can just settle into mm. that conversation because 
it's as though there's something that's like that, you know, kind of elephant in the room where mm. you cut, you know, when you start talking about it, you can relax into, you know, a kind of sense that, okay, you know, we can be with this together. Right. And then I don't feel so alone, and I think other people feel less alone with their responses to it and having to hold it and having to come into class and learn what they're learning today um, and put aside or put out of awareness mm. some of the bigger picture of what's going on. One of the things that I'm noticing about what you're saying, though, is that this is a, both an external issue in terms of what therapists need mm. so it's some awareness of the impact on the environment what's happening out there but also what's happening internally inside mm. and a lot of therapy training and therapy practice has been very internally focused yes. over the years and I know that's something that you you feel strongly about mm. is the importance of being able to move between the two mm. Is yes. that the right way to put it? I think so, yes. I mean, I think I had um, 10 years between 20 and 30 being very active politically, mm. then another 10 years in therapy training, and the, the, f the next 10 years I thought, right, these need to integrate in me. Right. That's a long process. Mm. And I'm, I'm a bit afraid that there's a tension about how little time we've got. Right. And that putting a pressure on all of us to to try and get up to speed and and process really quickly when in fact we need space and time to mm. allow this to to go through us and to allow the feelings and to you know be, even not even becoming active yet for some people simply arriving in themselves with the information letting themselves know, letting themselves feel. Mm. That's, a, that's a time thing, isn't it? And we, we therapists kind of operate in a counterculture way because we, we are saying, let's slow down. <laughs> you know, let's take time. You know, like the guy who says, let's come back to your dream in a year. You know, it's <laughs> like we don't have that luxury of time anymore. Well, when you contrast that with Greta Thunberg's language, if I want you to act like your house is on fire, yeah. I want you to pa panic. Yeah. This is an emergency. So it's crisis work. So how can we be slow and respond to crisis mm. and reflect mm. and be inward and dream our way mm. forwards all at the same time? Mm. Mm. How are we going to do that? It's, it's, tell me, yeah. Tree, tell it's me. It's extraordinarily. <laughs> it's that this is our great kind of uh, holding contradictions, isn't mm. it? Holding the tension yeah. of opposites. That thing that, that Keats called negative capability. You know, the thing, the capacity to hold two things that seem opposed to each other mm. at the same time. Mm. And uh, when we do that, then something new can happen. Right. What do you imagine that... I know you can't say it will be this, and that would be sort of killing it, but what does your imaginal vision give us that might emerge in between those opposites? What do you hope? No, hope is probably going to be the wrong word, but what do you what would you imagine might emerge out mm, of that? Mm. Well, when you say the word hope, I think that um, I'm thinking about hope in a very different way. Okay, go on. Um, and in a way, hope 
hope is something that is a, is alive in us mm. and it doesn't necessarily mean um, we have to arrive at a, at a certain future or a better future. Right. It's just a kind of ethic. It's a kind of being with hope because having a hopeful attitude mm. is helpful mm. and contributes to our daily lives, to our conversations with each other. Sure, but how does that fit with psychotherapy practice or generally? Because we don't want to project too much of that into a specific outcome Indeed. for people, do Indeed. we? No. So how do you manage that side of things? And how do you talk to your trainees about that, do you think? Well, most of the time what we need to do with trainees is, is to get them not being outcome-focused. Mm-hmm to learn how to be mm. and to bear with unbearable feelings. Right. Um, and we, you know, we, we have, we lecture about unbearable feelings. Sure. Um, and that's the most difficult thing to teach. Right. So it's only taught through practice. Why is that so difficult for people to understand that being outcome-focused um, and sometimes solution-focused in that way is problematic? Why is it um, so hard? I think, well, it's so in our heroic culture, isn't it, that we are, you know, we need to achieve and succeed and so on. But many of the clients we see are not able to succeed. That's why they're coming to see us. Right. They don't fit into that kind of achieving, getting somewhere success story. Sure. Um, Mm. And so in order to empathise... Mm. with those clients mm. students need to get get into that bit of the psyche that feels i can't and i'm hopeless and i <laughs> yeah. you know yeah no, and and I, and I think through resonance you know through a kind of natural mm. empathy when students start seeing clients they begin to understand oh this is what it's about mm. it's not about my agenda mm. it's about being with whatever is happening in my client. So it's not about fixing people like they're broken machines. Mm. It's not about making everything okay. Mm. It's not about giving people false hope. It's not about, you know, getting rid of people's fears or their depression or their anxiety. Because that would be a terrible, terrible disservice to the psyche, the soul, the heart, the, the humanity. So what you're talking about is people's vulnerability and people's need to stay with uncertainty and not knowing. But what immediately comes to my mind here is, doesn't that fit beautifully with how we need to navigate the climate emergency? Oh, absolutely. Because that's where we're at. It's just complete Mm. embodiment of uncertainty, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want to say Mm. something Mm. about how... The uncertainty in the climate emergency somehow is relational with the uncertainty in the therapeutic process because I I kind of think that therapists might be useful here in communicating some of these messages Mm. back out into the wider world Mm. Mm. to take this out into groups and organisations and teams and schools because, you know, the outreach at CPA has been approached by a lot of schools and a lot of groups and organisations fundamentally, I'm paraphrasing, but fundamentally saying, can you come and teach us how to cope with uncertainty? Can you come and 
show us how to deal with anxiety mm, mm, and distress mm, yeah. and I'm you know I think it's wonderful that we've got all these organizations yeah. approaching us yeah. saying you know how do we deal with this yeah. and I and we, okay we're not going to sort of turn up and go okay we're going to do psychotherapy in one day and you're going to feel mm. better but what we are doing is putting together this program of really showing people how to hold that space mm, mm. right yeah so yeah. yeah I mean what 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 we're really saying is um, how to be, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? How yeah. can we be? Yeah. How can we be with all this and not have to do to try and change, but actually just be? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, this is something that we are practised at, holding space in order to be mm. with things. Um, and in, in fact, I mean, we're leaving our clients alone with their feelings if we can't bear to be with them are you saying that we would sort of be abandoning them or or betraying something Mm. if we couldn't find a way to be with our own feelings about the climate emergency alongside them yes and if we couldn't find the space in ourselves Mm. to hold their feelings alongside our own indeed how do you think people can do that what do you think people therapists need in order to achieve that apart from that self-awareness is there some particular knowledge or skills or how do people shift okay Mm. let me put it a different way Mm. how do we how do do i as a therapist shift to become um a a climate aware therapist okay what do i have to do (laughs) tell me okay (laughs) you're saying do the do word is there okay yes i'm saying the b word I know, but I imagine a lot of people will be saying... What do I have to do? Tell me what to do. Okay. So help so me So come shift. along and be with other people and contemplate this big, big question. But I want to say to you, well, hang on a minute. Okay, but I've got a consulting room full of anxious people that I need to help, because that's my job. Um, you know, I might be working for the NHS, I might just have, you know, six sessions or four sessions with somebody and I have to, you know, move them on. Um, I feel an incredible pressure Mm. to do something to relieve some Mm. of the distress and anxiety. Mm. Mm. I'm worried about people being referred to me and being medicated, for example. Um, so I feel that pressure as a therapist. I don't want people to kind of necessarily feel so unable to resolve these feelings because we've got to live with them in mm. the long term. That they go off to the doctor. And if, okay, if you, I'm not, you know, saying you should never take antidepressants, but it would break my heart if people were resorting to medication to medicate what I think of as a, a very emotionally healthy response mm, to what's going on in mm, the world. Mm. So, you know, I suppose at the moment I feel some pressure myself. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you to help me um, about the sort of the eco-anxiety that is being felt out there. Mm. And wanting to communicate with people about this is a healthy thing, mm. this is not a mental illness. You know, there's a lot of narrative in the media about this that threatens to pathologize mm. Mm. and medicate yeah. and turn this into a medical problem yeah. and want statistics. And I'm thinking, but no, you know, I would worry about the people who didn't feel this, mm. to be honest, at the moment. So that pressure that need to 
hold you talk about holding mm. I understand tree mm. but there are lots of teachers there are lots of nurses there's mm. going to be lots of social workers mm. there's going to be lots of people who are supporting people in the front line mm. who are going to struggle to hold yeah, yeah, this yeah. and may not have the psychotherapy full psychotherapy mm range of skills yeah. all the time no to do well, that work and, slowly and you when you say all the time i mean none of us have it all the time do we we all sort of fall off the wagon sometimes and find ourselves arguing with people or you know whatever it is reacting yeah and uh but coming back to the sort of the the support that's needed within the system right that you know supervision is all about backing people up and giving them the space to relieve the pressure mm. giving them enough support that they can be in the front line that's one of the things that i've been accustomed to doing right so supervision is key supervision is key so are you saying that we need climate aware supervisors Indeed, to need. support climate aware therapists that is our next thing okay yes what do you think it would make a supervisor, a climate-aware supervisor, what, what well, I would think you be that looking the cli- for? The climate-aware supervisor, again, has been able to confront their own feelings and has uh, an ability to be with the discomfort of all this. Right. Um, um, but they're also um, able to uh, listen to the stories that are being brought into people's consulting rooms Yeah. and, and respond and participate in and empathise with some of the difficulty that therapists experience mm. and also kind of carry the clients with with the therapists, carry some of the weight of the stories. That's Yes. I mean I like I love what you're saying. Of course. But what I'm thinking as I'm hearing you is well what makes that different to any other good supervisory supportive relationship? That you know you're you're doing that holding that caring that being alongside the therapist who's doing the same with the the clients. Mm. So what makes it different when it comes to the climate emergency? Well, I I'm reminded of something that you've said. Okay. Um, oh no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Go on. <laughs> um, well, about I feel this too. I okay. feel this too. Mm. Um, mm. I'm really with you in it. Mm. Yeah. So that's what I've said. Um, that I've noticed is different about my practice sometimes when I'm working with people specifically around climate emergency um, that I have found myself being willing at times to share my emotional response Mm. to how I can feel and people will say to me do you feel anxious do you feel scared Mm. and I will say yes I do Mm. and yes me too Mm. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily be doing that in normally normal. Mm. I, we, we're trying to. I can see us both trying to avoid the word normal, but mm. like other psychotherapy yes. work, yeah. I would never say that mm. normally. Mm. Um, I might think it, <laughs> but I wouldn't mm. necessarily say it. But I have found myself saying it here, and I think it's right to say it um, because I think it's that shared humanity yeah. and that shared concern about what's happening in the world and frankly it doesn't affect us equally we know that the climate emergency is also an issue of social justice and that it's impacting on low-lying nations and uh, indigenous populations and people in poverty and children far more severely than it is on other populations Mm. Mm. however 
it is fundamentally providing a threat to pretty much everybody. Mm. Mm. And we know that there are privileged, you know, sort of narcissistically entitled people with power and money who are kind of buying up land in certain countries in the hope to avoid and escape this. And we're aware that this stuff is around. But the vast majority of us will not be able to escape it. Um, So do you think it's okay for me to say in therapy to people coming in saying how scared they are do you think it's okay for mm. me to say me too i think it's a really interesting interesting question yeah and i do, i do i do think it's okay and i think it's absolutely crucial that having said that you are then saying but i'm really interested in how it affects you sure because there mm. may be a difference in how we experience it or it may be that the focus is different, you know, the focus of anxiety or the focus of grief. It it will be different because what I what I fear most or what I feel most loss about will be different from what you feel it about. It may be the same yeah. root of feeling, but you know, it'll be different, won't it? Yes, absolutely. Um no, and it, it is about also making space for all of those ways, as you, you've just mm. been saying, to connect with our feelings around this. Mm. Um, and what, But one thing I've noticed is a lot of people coming in to talk about it feel that their fears around it are somehow not big enough, that they don't warrant the fear and the attention. So there's a lot of sort of embarrassment about it. That it's not in. justified? Somehow I think it's, some of that is around. And I think, you know, there's a popular narrative of it's not that bad and don't make too big a fuss. There's some shame around, I think, if people are sort of admitting they feel really scared about it. Mm. So that's partly why I do say, yeah, me too. Mm. I know in all my public talks that I give, I up front say, by the way, I'm scared. Mm. And this is how I feel. And it's a way of kind of verbalising the the, mm. the range of emotion, the grief, the rage, the terror, and saying, look, this is not just anxiety, trust mm. me. Mm. You know, this is this whole range of things. Can we go things. back to that? The thing oh, about the eco-anxiety, the term that seems to have caught media attention. Hasn't it just, yes. It, has. it seems to be everywhere. And it's a, a, a sort of a little catchy term isn't it the 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 eco-anxiety it is it's fascinating and there's been you know debate in the cpa google group about you know can we find a better way to talk about this because anxiety doesn't quite cut it when we're talking about people talking about horror and despair and apocalyptic fantasy Mm -hmm. and you know we're talking about women imagining having to be in a position of saving their children from marauding hordes by killing their children those are the fantasies that people can stretch into very extreme isn't it well it well i wouldn't actually say very extreme no Mm. i'd say extreme yes Mm. but i've heard other i've heard a number of women talk that way Mm. i've heard a number of children and young people waking in the night screaming in terror imagining that they're going to die next week Mm. teenagers not able to sleep not able to get out of bed saying what's the point in going to visit universities because I won't be here in a few years Mm. so I'm not going to university so we're talking about a deeply held despair and horror and 
loss and sense of abandonment mm. and perhaps perhaps I don't know I don't want to overanalyze um, in here in this space but it does make me think there's some sense of abandonment by leaders by people in mm. power by this sort of sense of the people who flipping well should be helping yeah. here well, and that mm. being felt mm. personally and individually yes. and also the, um, the lack of response the unresponsiveness that yeah. we can not be responded to by our leaders currently exactly and that they seem to be in their own narcissistic bubble yeah. and we we can shout yeah. and shout and say look there's an emergency yeah. and get no response oh 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 i've got to have a minute here because um and not only that but greta thunberg who astonishingly speaks at the un with emotion mm. who brings passion herself. and despair mm. and grief mm. brings herself you're absolutely right into the room mm. and says we will never forgive you mm. if you choose to let us down mm. you've stolen my childhood and my dreams and so you know you could not listen to that well if you had a heart you could not listen to that mm. and not be moved and yet the backlash in the media, yes. the backlash from certain people that we don't need to name here, we all know who they are, was horrific. Mm. That was used to shame her. Mm. It was used in this misogynistic hatred to hurt her mm. and and really dismiss. Mm. And not, it wasn't even not validate her feelings, but mm. to, it was even worse yeah, than that, yeah. right? Yeah. So what on it earth is, is so, that? So that's Come a on. classic, I mean, isn't it? For us as therapists to see defences in action, uh-huh. retaliation. Yeah, but on that scale, Tree? Absolutely. That scale? The, because that's how much she got to their defences. Well, I know, but... Uh, Gosh, you know, but I also think, right, yes, it's how what she got to their defences, she's amazing, but I also think it's a measure of their fear and their terror. Mm. So there we're talking about the widespread nature of this, you know, back to this sort of eco-anxiety, you know, what is it, how widespread is it, why are people so interested in it, mm. are we getting over-anxious about eco-anxiety, you know, mm. it's like, mm. really, you know, I, but I think it's a gateway. Yeah. Sorry, go Well, on. no, I was going to say I also wonder whether people are using anxiety because somehow or other that word is a bit more... We can cope with that. Yeah, it's less, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? It's not like... And so I, I spoke to a journalist the other day and she was talking about eco-grief. Uh-huh, yeah. And I thought, OK, well, we're stepping down a little bit more into the into the process, eco-grief. Yeah. OK. Um, you know, what, what do we do when we're grieving about what's happening is, yeah. is a bit further on than what do we do when we're anxious yes yes i can see that it it's knee deep perhaps mm-hmm. you know if if, if if calling something anxiety is putting your toe in the water yes. then uh, grief is getting knee deep yes but you know when i reflect on the stories of people that people are telling me and the messages that children are giving me that you know, I feel the impact, the weight, the power of that whole distress mm. and terror. Mm. You know, children imagining the apocalypse. Um, I, I think words fail me sometimes, really, when I start to think about this. 
Um, but one thing, you know, I, I had this conversation recently with Verity mm. about what are we going to call this? Verity mm. Sharp from Radio yes, 4, who's, yes. as you know, helping us with these podcasts. And wonderfully, she came up with an alternative that I love and I think we should be promoting out there because she came up with the argument that maybe we should be calling this eco empathy. Mm. Because, and I loved this, because you only feel anxiety and grief and despair and rage and loss if you're connected with what's going on Mm. you're connected with yourself you're Mm. connected with others because this isn't felt just in relation to yourself this is also felt in relation to others so you don't you know the people I'm talking with don't feel this just in relation to themselves they're worrying about others they're worrying you know the youth climate strikers start each meeting with talking about we're not just doing this for ourselves we're doing this for our children and our children's children and their children and we're doing this for other species on the planet they are directly empathetically attuned Mm. with what the impact of this on others which is profound Mm. and amazing and that's part of the reason why these children and young people are Mm. feeling it so strongly not one person has come into therapy to talk to me about this and we're talking you know dozens i've been speaking with hundreds i've had contact with over the last year not one person has entirely focused on themselves they talk about their grief their fear in relation to others Mm. their grief and their fear for others their guilt their shame in relation to others Mm. so they're not just talking about themselves and i just find that really powerful and very different Mm. Mm. there's so much to talk about here isn't there and we have to what's it been like having this conversation with me about this oh, and I being able to talk about it like yeah, this together absolutely great I think that like I said earlier about when I started talking with the students it just feels like we need to talk about this yeah. this is an essential conversation yeah you know it's got to be talked about more Why? you know we, we want to be talking about it widely I mean when I was um, a political activist we used to do things like um tube theatre or cafe theatre where we'd go in and start conversations you know that yeah that uh, that model and I think we should be doing that about the climate I think we should be going into cafes and having conversations and perhaps even arguments okay you know and and it should be everywhere okay know? so are you saying we need to take our therapy skills and take them out and use them in cafes on the street in theater in performance art is that what we need to be doing mm. is this a kind of you know revisioning you know psychotherapy and counseling for the demands of the paradigm shift that is coming to bring ourselves mm. out into the community I, I think that's that's that would be that's definitely a possibility i do think however that people first need to have the containment of the therapy room as therapists you know to be able to develop a conversation within that setting sure and then be able to kind of bring it out because it's such a different kind of conversation isn't it when you're right. listening and attuning to somebody else so therapists so this is this is you know what chris robertson and rosemary randall have developed uh, primarily they've led on it but others others of us are getting involved now the through the door workshops with the climate psychology alliance to take that out of the consulting mm, room mm. and into the community mm, and the climate cafes and the climate cafes it always makes me think that we have to be prepared to shift 
and to rethink some of what we do as therapists, mm. to meet the needs and the demands of what's coming down yeah. the road. Tree, thanks so much. It's been good talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Tree Staunton and Caroline Hickman. Climate Crisis Conversations is a podcast series produced by the Climate Psychology Alliance in association with Parity Audio. Please do rate, subscribe and join us again soon for more.